Thank you for joining me on the Practice Human Podcast. I'm Caitlin Casella. My conversation today was with Tara Tonini. Tara is a yoga teacher who teaches trauma-informed yoga and yoga teacher trainings. She's also a birth doula, a Reiki practitioner, and currently a student of acupuncture. And here at Practice Human, we love crossover disciplines. So I was excited to talk to Tara about all of the uh, pieces that make up her practice, but also Tara is involved with a great organization called Exhale to Inhale, and Exhale to Inhale brings trauma-informed yoga to survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. You can find out more on Exhale to Inhale's website, exhaletoinhale.org, and if you're interested in seeing a little bit more about what Tara has going on, check out her website, taratonini.com. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. I would really appreciate it, and it will help our conversations grow. And I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Tara. Hello, Tara. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Hi, Caitlin. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much. um, I've been wanting to feature Exhale to Inhale since I started this podcast because... I'm teaching one of the classes this month for Movement for Meaning um, to raise donations for Exhale to Inhale, and it's been on my mind. And um, I was wondering if you could start out by just telling a little bit about what Exhale to Inhale is and what Exhale to Inhale offers. Yeah. Um, so first of all, thank you for having me and, um, and your interest in featuring Exhale to Inhale um, and your ongoing support. Like, we're a, a small nonprofit that is really thriving um, on the heartfelt efforts of the yoga community. So um, efforts like yourself and featuring us on your podcast and um, hosting a Movement for Meaning class really contributes to the awareness of our organization and bringing more resources to the survivors that we serve. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. It's good to talk to you. <laughs> Find out more because I'm, I'm always learning and, um, and, and always wanting to learn more about, uh, trauma informed yoga and the inclusion of that in, um, in teacher trainings. And just as a, I think it's such a valuable tool for teachers, even to just have a little bit of exposure to, um, so just for the, the listeners who don't know, everything about what Exhale to Inhale does. I know you offer trauma-informed yoga to survivors of domestic violence, survivors of sexual assault. And my understanding is that Exhale to Inhale's teachers um, operate mainly at domestic violence shelters. Yeah, it's a mixture. Um, so our nonprofit was founded in 2013 by um, our dear friend Zoe LePage. And she was a senior at Barnard and started this project. And her herself um, was a yoga teacher and saw how much um, yoga had positively impacted the healing journey of people she in her life have um, known had survived um, domestic violence and sexual violence. And so she kept thinking like, well, what if other survivors had access to to yoga, uh, a practice that she really believed was healing and, and helpful. And so, um, it kind of started from there. Um, we, what we do is we take existing, um, 200 hour or plus trained yoga teachers and we teach them in the exhale to inhale methodology, which is a trauma informed approach to yoga. 
And from there, we go out and offer free classes throughout the community. So we're in all five boroughs of New York. Um, we teach in domestic violence shelters, um, all kinds of um, uh, violence pre- you know, prevention programs, um, rape crisis centers, um, outpatient and inpatient centers throughout um, New York City. And we have um, some pilot programs happening in Los Angeles County as well. That's awesome. So great. It's expanded so much over the years. <laughs> yeah, incredible. we just turned five. So it's incredible wow. to see um, how much the organization has grown and really warms my heart. Like we had our, our birthday party um, last week and, right. you know, some of our teachers have been with us from the very beginning. So um, it's really cool to see um, how many people are still um, in the everyday interactions of us out in the and the field. So it's really inspiring. What are the main things that you want to impart on teachers so that they can use some of these tools in the classroom or in with special populations? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's complicated. <laughs> I know. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, and, and our methodology, what we've done is we've taken, um, you know, research um, and from my teachers and um, different clinical research and what we know and how we know trauma impacts the mind and the body. And based on what we know of that trauma impact, um, we've also woven in what we know and understand about yoga philosophy and woven those two together so that we have an understanding of trauma-informed principles and we're really rooted in the safety and simplicity of the yoga practice. So essentially, at the end of the day, what we're doing in our approach to yoga is practicing interoception. So giving people opportunities to cultivate a friendliness with their body, a relationship with the this beautiful, you know, physical container. I call it like the magical meat suit that we get to experience this life in. And then, you know, based on this practice of interoception through the modality of yoga, we can offer people resources for self-soothing. Um, So we're regulating the nervous system, offering people opportunities to identify tools from the yoga that are helpful to help keep them in the present moment, in the here and now. And, um, you know, there's so much research out here now that's proven what the ancient yogic scriptures have been saying for over 5,000 years, that, you know, yoga is the cessation of the fluctuation of the mind. Um, So from a trauma-informed approach, um, we're really rooted in the safety and simplicity of the yoga. We're offering opportunities for people to make informed decisions based on what they're feeling. And, um, you know, what we practice on the yoga mat then definitely shapes and informs the way that we live our lives through healthier relationships, um, better self-relationship, interactions with the world, and taking better care of our bodies uh, and the things that we love. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of the big pieces of it is just from other exhale to inhale teachers that I've talked to, um, is, is that, that aspect of letting students make choices for themselves. And I think that's so powerful to give students really ownership for their practices. And, um, and that's a skill. I think it's a major skill as a teacher to be able to, to offer a class that creates a, kind of a container that that offers a practice but then also plenty of room for choices for students to to listen to what what they need and and act on that even if it's not exactly what the maybe what the teacher is 
asking for in, in, in their own agenda that I know we can sometimes get wrapped in up in a little bit as teachers. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I kid around with a lot of fresh teachers that come out of their teacher training program. I'm like, okay, forget everything you just learned, but that's not really the case. Right. Because the, the 200 hour training, um, is the foundation of, 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 uh, cultivating a safe practice. So, um, I think what's really helpful for yoga teachers to start thinking about is how the particularly the um, vinyasa practice and our sequencing offers us a beginning, a middle, and an end. So what this is doing from a trauma perspective is helping to remind both the mind as well as the body that discomfort does not last forever. Hmm. So there's beginning, middle, and end to everything. Um, and this is really, really helpful um, for people who are overcoming symptoms of trauma and extreme stress. Wow. I never thought of it that way. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, huh? (laughs) It is cool. Yeah. So that, yeah, there's a a process of working through, right? The idea Mm -hmm. that the the way out is through and being with the process. um, Mm -hmm. Super important. Does exhale to inhale train? I know there's a program for teachers who want to add the trauma-informed aspect into their own teaching, is there an aspect that trains teachers specifically to do work for exhale to inhale, or is that all the same training? Our training is... um currently 70 or 17 hours um, and it's approved by Yoga Alliance Continuing Education. So um, in our public teacher trainings, um, what we do is we teach Excel to Inhale's approach to trauma-informed yoga. And, um, and then a lot of people do volunteer teach from us through that program. Um, once our teachers go through the 17-hour um teacher training, they then go through um, a mentorship program internally through Excel to Inhale. And um, that's been my, my, by like, uh, just my favorite, favorite part of working for the organization is um, this past year, I moved into um, kind of directorship of curriculum and, and uh, mentorship. And so I get to work with the teachers, which is really what I love to do. So, um, I get to run the teacher's labs and, um, we have once a month continuing education topics and book clubs. And, um, and it's really been an amazing experience because it keeps me very embedded in what's going on in all of our classes throughout New York City and Los Angeles. Um, I get to spend time with our teachers and hear about um, their experience working with survivors. And then we get to really learn about um, our approach to yoga. Is it working? What communities is it working in? Um, What things need to be tweaked? What things need to be revisited? So um, while I think that we have an amazing and super strong foundation, um, that's the part that I really love. It's like the magic of working with people and having um, a, a continuous relationship with um, the people that we're serving. Um, and I think that that's something that our organization has done an amazing job with and our huge growth in a very short amount of time is sometimes when companies get big, they lose that heartfelt essence of, of what started the organization, um, where, you know, most of even, um, some of the people that assist us on the board of directors are volunteer teaching as well. So we really have 
have um, our feet on the ground and um, feet on the yoga mat, if you will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the survivors, which I think is really special and, and keeps everyone very anchored and grounded in the work. Yeah. Well, it keeps a good sense of community among the teachers as well. I know one of the things that I've discussed with a lot of my teacher colleagues is how teaching yoga can be quite isolating. We never see each other or talk to each other. <laughs> we're, we're missing um, a friend of mine the other day was saying we're missing the water cooler. Like we don't have yes. the... I, I worked in an office at a design job for several years after I was out of college. And some of those people that I worked with, they, they, I would say they were like family, but they were family. And some of them still feel like kind of a family connection. We don't see each other very often, but we're very, very close from that time. And as a yoga teacher, we see each other in passing between classes. And mm -hmm. it's hard to have conversations about like the state of, you know, yoga, our classes, interactions mm -hmm. with our students. And many of us share a lot of the same students who come to our classes, but um, we don't really interact with each other. <laughs> we see the mm -hmm. students and the students see us, but um, yeah. teacher to teacher, there's so little interaction that it's awesome that you have, you know, through exhale to inhale as a mentor with those groups, that community of teachers to talk about the work as a teacher, but also the the students that you're serving. That's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was definitely <laughs> intention moving into this role is not only to provide continuing education and support for our teachers, but really hope to, um, remind people that they're not out there alone. Um, so like you, just like you said, like teaching, um, as a yoga teacher can be incredibly isolating. And then particularly when you get kind of put on this pedestal of like the guru and, um, there's so much humility in teaching that I think that it's been really helpful for our teacher community to, um, be able to engage and interact and ask questions and, um, yeah, it, it's been a blessing. And one thing that um, Zoe was able to implement when um, she came back to the organization full time is accompanying teachers to the shelters. So their very first visit was never alone. Um, wow. So, um, so yeah, it, it, we, we tease whenever someone interviews to teach for us, we're like, welcome to the family because it really is. It's <laughs> so great to hear. Yeah, it's very special. Uh, and I hope as it continues to expand, you can maintain that in, in your little pockets of New York and L.A. Do you travel yeah. to L.A. frequently to interact with the teachers there? Yeah, we have um, teacher training in L.A. twice a year. Um, and then, you know, if I'm ever out there, what, our program manager, her name is Julie Fernandez, and it's great to catch up with her. She's doing amazing work for Excelled Inhale and outside in private practice. So uh, it's really great for me um, in, in, you know, this role of, of curriculum development and mentorship is to see teachers, like brand new teachers, come to an organization and like their heart so into being of service and seeing the amazing amount of tools that they're able to cultivate as a teacher and how a trauma-informed practice um, really helps shape them and their unique voice as a teacher in all spaces and in all modalities. And then to see them out and thriving um, in the yoga community and beyond. It's, it's really a blessing. Our teachers are magnificent. It's um, yeah, it takes my breath away sometimes when I see the 
the powerful impact that our teachers are doing both in our organization as well as out on the ground. That's awesome. Taking my breath away, listening to it. How many teachers are there between New York and L.A.? Great question. Um, I would guesstimate we have about somewhere between 40 and 45 on our active roster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've trained um, well over 100 now um, in, in, you know, internal teachers and then our teacher trainings. Um, We've been, yeah, it's, it's amazing to see people really interested in this style of work and um, we're like, we were mentioning earlier offline that, um, we're weaving it into, um, kind of introduction conversations within 200 and 300 mm-hmm. hour teacher trainings. So it's beautiful to see, um, you know, a traditional yoga teacher training, wanting to bring in more, um, more conversation of social justice and how to support people in the world that we're currently living in. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's so great. Um, I, I actually in the podcast conversation that I just recorded that I'm going to put up, I think today or tomorrow, um, mm-hmm. we were talking about how one of the, one of the things that can be such a missing piece sometimes for teachers in teacher trainings is not so much what to teach, but how to teach and how to interact with the students in front of you. And, um, we get so caught up, I think, in the technicalities of our sequence and the poses and the words and um, and then stepping back and just seeing seeing the whole picture of the the people in front of you and the whole pe- whole people and everything about them that's there that they bring into the room with them is um, I think such an important piece that we're not just kind of like moving bodies around into shapes. There are real people with everything in their lives that they bring into the room right there with us in, in mm-hmm. front of us in class and um, yeah yeah and being able to meet meet them where they are and uh, have at least just some some sense that there's there's a lot going on with everybody that we know nothing about when we mm-hmm. step in to teach a yoga class yeah and that's definitely our goal in our teacher training is to teach teachers um, and you know any any other person that's interested in learning this that why people are responding and reacting the way that they are. Um, and I think that it gets a little confusing sometimes for teachers because yoga studios get branded as like calms and peaceful healing spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's really beautiful about that is once a person is feeling safe in the space, um, you know, things can open up. And so that's what our, our training is really anchored in is to teach people, um, how to hold space for when things do come up mm-hmm. and to help people um, by honoring their dignity um, so that there's like this beautiful dance between the grit and the grace. Mm. Um, and, and, and just similar to what we are saying, like, um, you know, real humans with real stories and who knows what happened to them before they got to the mat. Um, and you know, once we have this embodied experience, things will come up. Um, so how can teachers help to support with kindness when those things do come up? Um, and there, I don't, I, I often kid, like there's not really a right answer. And 
we could mind masturbate about what to do. And, but until you're in that experience, that's when you know how you show up. And I think that that is part of building your, your trust in yourself and cultivating your own voice and who you are and your integrity as a, as a teacher and a person who holds space. Hmm. Yeah, I think it affects everything. I think it um, it informs every aspect of the the words we say, the way we move through the room, the way we <laughs> touch people, look at people. Yeah, and in mm-hmm. life too. I think it can inform so much of our interactions in day to day, everything mm-hmm. um, outside the yoga classroom as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. You know, like my partner said this to me the other day. Um, he's like you know, what I intended doesn't always mean that's how it's going to land. Um, Mm -hmm. So as yoga teachers, you know, we can go into the room with the best of intentions, but we don't know what we don't know about people. So we don't really know where things are going to land, even with the best of intentions. So it's kind of like, um, am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I'm Italian. I talk with my hands and I curse a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're allowed. Totally fine. (laughs) But, but, you know, when when shit doesn't land where we expect it to, Mm -hmm. um, it's like, and then what? Like, how how do we, as as teachers, um, show up in the next level? Um, Yeah. and that's just practice, you know? Yeah. Um, you yeah. never know what it's going to be until you get in it. Exactly. One of my teachers <laughs> that I study with here in, in New York, Amy Matthews, said one time, the map is not the terrain. So, Ooh. and I think about that a lot when I travel. You could sit and look at Google Maps and plot out where your hotel is going to be and what's around there and how you get there from the train station or whatever. And you kind of see it on the map and you have this sense of it. But then when you arrive and you're there and walking through it, it's never anything that you could have imagined until you've arrived there, you know? Yeah, totally. So like the difference between your map of what you've planned to do versus the terrain of actually showing up in front of real people and the spontaneity and all of the Mm -hmm. things that happen, unexpected things that happen or... Like you said, people's responses might not be what you expect. And And just the, you know, the teacher's internal dialogue, like (laughs) what's going on there? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know how that's shifted and shaped as I've taught for longer periods of time. Like the things that used to bother me when students... I don't know, did certain things in the room, the way they move their props or put their mats down, (laughs) whatever. And like things that used to bother me. Now I'm like, it's like the least of concerns, like whatever you're here, (laughs) just do your thing. Um, yeah, I know. And that shifts. I think that shifts a little bit with teaching. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) I'm also curious about the other work that you're doing and the, the aspects that you bring to the teacher trainings, the kind of the crossover modalities. I know you are a Reiki practitioner and teach Reiki trainings. I think you do. At least I think I saw something about a Reiki yeah. training that you have coming up. And mm-hmm. uh, and then you're in school for herbs and acupuncture. And I'm just wondering how, how you see the those disciplines supporting one another or informing one another along with the trauma-informed yoga. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that um, I... So there's, 
there's a difference between um, our organization and my private practice. You know, in my mm-hmm. private practice, there's a lot of play. Um, in our nonprofit, there, um, it, you know, we have a methodology, and not that we're rigid about the methodology, um, but I think that there is a, a really sound foundation that what we know to be true and supportive for the people that we serve. So um, at Excel to Inhale, um, we have a, a list of kind of um, protocols and ways that we approach the yoga practice. We do it in this way so that we have really safe and consistent classes across the board. Um, this is for the safety of our teachers as well as the safety of our clients so that, you know, if we have um, a person who's been receiving classes in the shelter and is really falling in love with the yoga and the new teacher rotates in, um, they can expect exactly um, what was happening in the classes before. So this is um, very helpful for people who have experienced um, domestic violence and any type of trauma is cultivating that safety and consistency so that survivors know what they can expect from us, um, both on the yoga mat as well as an organization. Um, so with that being said, like our approach to yoga, we don't offer hands-on assists. Um, our language is really rooted in, um, in helping people experience interoception and choice making. Um, and we stay away from poses that would, you know, take the nervous system out of uh, a healthy range of tolerance. So um, we stay really rooted and kind of grounding and anchoring postures. We don't do anything extreme like a headstand or our, uh, chin- well, we might do a half moon every once in a while, but um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really simple practice. And I think that um, especially for people who are avid yoga practitioners, we forget about how beautiful the simplicity of the practice is and, um, and, uh, so that's why it's been so effective for us as an organization. Mm-hmm. And then in private practice, that's where I go wild. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we even, um, you know, not only what I know to be true about trauma recovery, but, um, also everything that I'm learning from, um, a, a Chinese medicine perspective. Um, awesome. and it's really beautiful to see the, you know, the ancient Chinese text in terms of healing the body and the mind and the similarities with the yoga sutras. Um, so that's been really interesting and fun to dive in this past year and a half. What, what parallels, I'm just curious what parallels you found with, um, Chinese medicine and the yoga sutras. Um, just that the mind and the body aren't seen as separate. Mm, um, mm-hmm. So um, there's even some translations that I've read. I, I, I don't speak or read Chinese, so I'm reading, you know, the English translation of the mm-hmm. text. Um, same thing with um, with the sutras. Sure. But um, <laughs> so um, everything's a diluted interpretation, of course. But, you know, sometimes you'll even see the mind and body is written as one word rather than two. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always loved, um, I've, I've done some Buddhist practice and they use the term heart mind, how like the mm. heart and the mind are really one that it's like mm-hmm. an entity, the heart mind. And I always really yeah. loved that. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Body, mind. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, that's one of the things I love about Chinese medicine is it, it treats the whole person. Um, in some ways that I think it can be lost at times in Western medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, a different approach too. So, 
that's what I love about Chinese medicine is it's not trying to be biomedicine. It's trying to be Chinese medicine. (laughs) It is. There's a lot of integrity in that of, you know, saying that it's, you know, one is not right or wrong. One is not good or bad. Um, It's just what approach are you interested in taking? Absolutely. And I didn't mean to imply that in terms of, I know there's always so much talk about Western medicine (laughs) as this and Chinese medicine that. And it's like, yeah, it's, I feel like, well, it's one of the things that I get into a lot with the reason I wanted to start this podcast is because there's so much, um, there's just so much value in one system informing another and how all, you know, all the disciplines can live together and, Mm -hmm. um, and support each other. So, so yeah, yeah, so that's really one of the, one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you because you have all of this going on. Um, how does your, I'm, I'm curious too, how your Reiki, um, training and practice ties into your work with heading toward, you know, acupuncture and working with herbs. So do you feel like there's a lot of crossover there or do you feel like you're kind of put in a place now in school for Chinese medicine where there's, you're, you're looking at it in a very different light through a different lens? Hmm, that's a interesting thought. I haven't really considered it. I think that the Chinese medicine is definitely building upon the Reiki um, practice and, and facilitation of, um, you know, private clients and trainings. Um, the one thing that Reiki has taught me is, um, is how to hold space energetically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was, it's kind of a, a God given talent that I have in my toolbox. Um, but Reiki has really helped me fine tune, um, just bearing witness to a person's experience, um, not just the words that they're talking, um, but the, the energy that they're bringing forward, both in their body and out and around their body. Um, and then with Chinese medicine, you know, I'm so new in the program um, that I think I, I haven't had much time with patients to, to even explore that much yet (laughs) yeah well that makes sense that if yeah absolutely if you're approaching it in terms of being being with the person and the energy of the person you have to start working with people to know right it's not in theory it's like there in practice with a person a real person in front of you if someone wants to get involved with exhale to inhale if they want to make a donation if they want to take one of your teacher trainings um, I know they can go to your website and donate there. Um, mm-hmm. And then how often did you say it's twice a year that you run the trauma-informed yoga teacher trainings? So our next um, trauma-informed yoga trainings in New York City are uh, November 17th and 18th at Mind Body Soul Yoga, which is um, in Fort Washington. And then our second one will be February 22nd and 24th, um, so that's a three-day one, at Bread and Yoga, which is in Inwood, um, in Uptown Manhattan. And then we have some dates on the calendar for California as well as Texas. And um, if anyone out there is listening and wants us to come to your community, let us know. Great. And do you do a smaller um, – do you sometimes send people to do pieces – a smaller sections of the training within 200 hour training programs or 300 yeah. hour programs. Yeah. We have four hour, um, like a mini workshop, mm-hmm. um, which is an introduction to Excel to inhale. Um, and that can be done within a 200 or 300 hour 
yoga teacher training. Ah, so many ways to like insert it in there and get the, get the word out about exhale to inhale. I love that. I think it's such a great organization. Thank you. And thank you for your ongoing support. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah. And I know there are a few more classes coming up, um, through the rest of October for movement for meaning. Um, so these are classes that I think across kind of a, a wide variety of styles of yoga and fitness classes. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So um, anyone who teaches um, any type of movement, so we have like running clubs and boxing Mm. and yoga and Pilates and bar and dance, um, all kinds of movement modalities, um, just raising awareness for the survivors that we serve in our organization. So um, if there's any interest in that, there's a little link on our website called Get Involved. And this um, campaign is called Movement for Meaning. Great. And it's, I know you do a big push every month because it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month in October. Do those classes happen throughout the year? They do, yeah. Um, Just our big awareness month is in the fall. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks so much, Tara. (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you again for the invitation. It was really good speaking with you. Likewise.